you just saw Asteroid City, right? How was that? I did. I did. Yeah. Fantastic. It, another one of those stunningly visual movies. It There's a little bit of typical Wes Anderson oddity to it, which is something that I enjoy. But they're, they're such a... So we're always, if you think about this, and you do, I know, because you were Mr. Designer Extraordinaire back in your day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, th those were the days. Like exactly. The days. There's always something, in my own personal opinion, there's always something very architectural about his style because every frame is deliberate. Every frame is curated to this is exactly what I want to see. And they're so artistic. It's, I mean, there's just something extremely beautiful about his movies. Yeah, yeah. And the good thing was, is that, so I saw it when we went back to DC, I had to go into town for a client meeting. We had the opportunity to go see the movie and we went to see the movie at the AFI Silver Spring, which is in the East Coast, a part of the AFI uh, Film Foundation. Mm -hmm. So it's the East Coast one, but it is also a, an old art deco absolutely cool beautiful theater it was funny as we some time ago we went and watched a movie there that was it's a wonderful life and mm. we went to go see it and before they started the movie the guy came out and he was like talking about the history of the movie but he was also saying that this was one of the first movies that the theater had played and it's just fun to know that the original was showing originally it were sitting in the same theater several decades later and we're sitting yeah. in that movie theater watching that movie but it's always kind of fun because it's just got it i would say that this movie and the interior of this movie theater has got a very west anderson vibe because it's kind of a grand budapest type kind of grandeur to the to the theater okay and and so it was it's fun to watch movies there i mean it it, it really yeah. is because it's it's a movie palace. It's back in the day. It's a movie palace. And there's the reverence of the experience. And that's what I love about going to like old theaters like that is like today you've got like, <laughs> it's almost like the Velcro as you're walking across the sticky floor and everything else. Yes. And the seats are uncomfortable or now they've got the recliners and stuff, but there's just there's, lazy boys for everyone. <laughs> there's just something about these old theaters with the velour cushion seats and stuff that yeah. just harken movie palace. You got to say harken when you think about exactly see when you when you're thinking back that far. I got to use. You some, have a soft spot for all that really old. stuff. I've got a very I, so. <laughs> we're always asked this question, and it for some reason somebody asked me this question just the other day. And I, I don't really know why. I mean, say, well, if you weren't an architect, what would you be? I'm like, I'm 53 years old. If I'm not an architect, I, uh, I should be retired. Yeah. I mean, like I'd be retired. I feel answer. like I, well, I mean, in, in old architecture standards, we're just coming into our career, right? With this is just when right. we get started. You're an emerging professional. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, I always give kind of like smirky, oh, I'd still be in the army or oh, I'd still be doing this or oh, I'd be doing that. And to be quite honest with you, I think I know what I would love to do. And it would be 
a owner and operator of a movie theater. Oh, I, see. I always have this, Ooh, what if I won the lottery? And of course everybody, I think somebody in California just won the $1 billion Powerball oh, really? or whatever it was. And, and, and my, honestly, my answer never changes anytime somebody even says, Hey, what if you won the lottery? I'm like, well, first I got to play, but if I did, I would design and build and operate my own movie theater. Oh, you, you wouldn't yeah. buy like an old timey. It sounds well, like, well, so like... I would design and build an old timey one, but with oh, modern technology, brand. modern conveniences, okay. everything. Mm -hmm. It would be basically a resto mod. It, it would definitely be somewhat of a resto mod type thing. But but no, I I I honestly think and and I don't I don't even recall why they asked me that. It's just like was I giving off some vibe that I wasn't happy? I mean, in fact, actually, it was <laughs> it was in a meeting where I was actually having a good time because I got to step away from the one project that I'd been working on for the past in the design phase only for the past two and a half years. And there gets to a point when you're somewhat beleaguered on that one. And you the sort glacial of, pace of architecture. The glacial Welcome. pace of architecture. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Wow. And wow. yeah. And so, so if someone just asked you, even though you weren't like totally no, giving off the vibe. No, I, I, I hope I wasn't giving unhappy. off the vibe. I was, I was actually <laughs> having fun because it was actually, it was a, <laughs> you'll, you'll love this. It was a revisiting of the project that I was just on before this current project. Okay. And during construction, because this is usually when you bring in the end user is during construction to say, Hey, I know that you just built all of this stuff, but now we have a user group and what we, we just built doesn't everything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. we just built doesn't fit. So how let's, did I see um, that coming? Start all over again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looks good. Start over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was, it was expected to be quite honest with you. And so people are like, oh, I can't believe we're doing this. I'm like, wait, uh, it was, it was something that we were really expecting because it was just something is like at the time COVID, no one was really looking to move or people were doing their own thing within their own like lab spaces and stuff and not really looking towards the future of a new space. And so a lot of the interface that we would have normally had at the appropriate time or like, well, let's just say early time, not appropriate time, but earlier phases got bypassed because of COVID. And so, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just one of those victims of some crazy times. So mm -hmm. crazy times beget crazy times. There, there was a line item in the budget for that, right? Like, uh, it, in crazy fact, times, was, the exactly. reckoning, we call you know, it's, it's the, we'll reconcile the crazy times at some later point. Uh, we're going to save some money for that. Crazy times, uh, 20%. Yeah. yeah like 20% of overall 20%. construction budget. <laughs> right. Yeah. Whatever you think it's going to be, triple it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And, and, and to be quite honest with you now that the new I keep, I hate saying the new normal, but the new normal of oh, yeah. the extremely high rates for like the long lead times, mm -hmm. the escalation in costs and all of that other stuff. It, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, the, the, those line items are actually growing. We had somebody who had, I say have the nerve, well, let's just say they had the nerve 
to say, why is our building, we just did a reassessment of the building and it's costing so much more. Why? You know, and it's like, okay, first of all, like, have you, have you seen groceries? Has like, what was has anybody been paying attention? Gas prices right. inflate. You know, like if, if you start with just gas prices and you go from oh there, goodness. I mean, gas prices are going to affect the delivery prices, going to affect the manufacturing prices are going to affect. And then you just rattle on all of these things. And then they're like, yeah, well, why is our building going to be 30% more or 20 Wasn't that more? a fixed fee? It was a GMP. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It's just like. <laughs> right. It's like, you well, remember that? It is that, funny. You, you look back, you look, I, I'm thinking back to like all these old meetings and it's, and, and there was always the escalation line item, right? Yeah. <laughs> and it was always some huge number and you're like, really? And now you, you're talking about it and it's like, yeah, really? Like that's right. a real thing. So did they plan for escalation in this project enough? Are you saying they didn't? No, no, they didn't. I mean, because it was just one of those things that they just assumed that they, that cost was going to stay the same, I guess. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. Cause like what's escalation normally planned at like 10%, maybe 10 or 15%. Yeah. And we were, we have been looking at 30, 35%. Oh, you know? wow. Oh yeah. It, it, it it's, it is, it, it is definitely something that people aren't prepared for. And the conversation that we've been having is, oh, your budget isn't aligned. The original budget that we had for this project isn't aligned. And so now you're X amount over. Mm -hmm. Well, that first one was pre craziness of the market. Yeah. And so there should have always been a reassessment or a realignment of the budget. Yeah. Right. And there wasn't. And wow. this is, you know, this, this is, this is profession wide. I mean, this is a conversation that we're having with them, with everyone, with, with every architect is having with everyone. I've seen a couple of tweets from a friend of the show who she has been, you know, posting things about like, you know, if projects get completed and things like that, or even if they get started And a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that at the beginning of the process. You you do a cost assessment of the project and it, you get one number and especially if a project like stretches out for as long as a lot of these projects, like, you know, I was just saying, you know, design process that I've been working on for the past two and a half years, we haven't even gone out to bid yet. So, you know, I mean, things will be different. Are the, are, is the budget on this project? from when it gets out onto the streets and when it gets into the hands of contractors, is it going to be the same as what it was two and a half years ago? No, absolutely not. Should people be prepared for that? Yes, absolutely. Are they? Rarely, rarely, mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. So that, it, that reconciliation that happens throughout the phase of the project, where, where are you at with this one that you're talking about? Where, <laughs> which phase are you in? Uh, we are, so. Uh, seeing how it's following the REBA standards, not the AIA type standards, but what they call detailed design is what we call construction documents. We finished those. We're preparing our, um, bid set to go out. What is called issue for tender. And so mm -hmm. we're in the, I, the, the IFT phase of things. And so issuing for tender is going out to bid. And so yeah. the, 
In fact, actually, the beginning of next week, it will be going out to bid. And that's when the proverbial-ish hits the fan, because it will definitely be one that they're like, oh. And so you, the question will be asked is like, you know, how do we reconcile the cost differential? There's really going to be only one conversation that'll be had. I mean, because, you know, you, when you go through these cost reconciliations and it's the value engineering, mm-hmm. you know, and value, of course, I'm using the big air quotes there because mm-hmm. rarely is there any value brought to these. It's, it's really, truly a cost reconciliation. And so you, you bring a hatchet rather than a scalpel to the party. Mm-hmm. And well, the scalpels just don't work either, right? No, like, no. Be honest, you can't just make a million cuts. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Because it, it never adds up enough to well, typically what needs to actually happen, which is like an arm of the building needs to come off. That's why. Oh, my gosh. So, so, <laughs> so we were asked for a few value engineering suggestions in anticipation of the, the bids coming in probably at a little higher than what the current uh, budget is. And without sacrificing any of the program for these, these buildings, which it's going to be really hard to be quite honest with you, there's, you know, they say, well, what can we do? And so we were offering up a few things and everyone there, absolutely not. I mean, we, we can't do that. We've, this has already been approved and it's gone all the way to the board and the board has already approved By everyone, who do you mean on the owner side? Yeah. In this particular, this particular one, there's one owner there, there's one end person that you basically can't say, oh yeah, by the way, you can't get what you want because it's not going to says that to the person. No one says that to this person. Well, so the other option is you have to pay more, right? I mean, that, 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 that will, that will be a follow-up for us. Is when I tell you what the result of all of this will be, because yes, I mean, at the end of the day, how, if you're unwilling to say back off on finishes or say back off on certain bits of program, or we've got a couple of like more folly type pieces in here that aren't necessarily part of the actual, they led to the architecture. Or the feel, the overall feeling of the architecture and, and of the place. It is intended to be mimicking 300 year old Najdi, um, Saudi Arabian architecture. So, you know, there are some things on there that aren't necessarily occupiable space, but they are part of that kind of overall concept that is required for this development. And so for us to say, you know, well, yeah, we could take these off. Well, again, if the guy who uh, has reviewed and approved all of this and is expecting a certain thing, he wants that th- certain thing and he gets that certain thing, where do we go? Like what, what, there isn't anything to sacrifice. And so, you know, you're almost like, you're not really trying hard to give us these value engineering suggestions. You've offered this and this and this, and they just aren't going to cut it. And you're like, well, I mean, what can you do? I mean, if. If we are in a, the proverbial rock in a hard place, what can you do? Well, if you're talking 30% more than the original budget 
that is just an enormous number. Oh, like that is, is, and and I've been through value engineering before, and it's mm -hmm. it is a million cuts. It's a million oh, yeah, yeah. cuts, and yes. you are on the hook to make those changes on your own dime typically not all the time but typically if you're the ones providing the cost estimates and then even if mm -hmm. the markets do change a little bit like we said earlier you do have those contingencies for es escalation and right. you've got right. various contingencies in there and those contingencies get used up usually oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then and then you're still over and then I mean, I've been through it, and I'm sure we've even talked about it on the show where it's like one week, it's like we have to cut $2 million. And the next week, guess what? We still have to cut $2 million. And like, well, we did. And it's like, yeah, well, we found more stuff. Yeah. And it's frustrating going through the design, bid, build process and being on that side of the table at the end where all you can do is keep cutting stuff back and yep. cutting it back. Yeah. And then that changes the details and it changes, you have to do a new cost estimating all the time. Mm -hmm. You're always providing quantities and square footages and surface areas of all these various materials. And man, it's just Absolutely. a terrible process to go through. I cannot imagine 30% overage. I just, well, I and, will and say- again, not, not because of just what you designed into the project, but because of all of these other uncontrollable factors that are going on in the world right. and saying like, no, we're oh, yeah, actually yeah. only going to spend the money that we budgeted for when all of these other costs have gone up. Never mind, the architect's fees haven't gotten to go up at all oh, no, in no, any no, of no. that. No, no never. Uh, never. I mean, it's it's just a, it's just a, a, it makes you absolutely crazy. Oh yeah. I will say to our a little pat on our back here is that we actually are not at that 30%, we are actually, I think, just a little over 10%. But 10% in in their opinion is too much. And, and, and to be quite honest with you, I, I think I think we're at like 13, to be quite honest with you. Um, but when you hear the number, the number is... You're like Han Solo. You, you can round down or... Yeah. You can round up. You pick which way you want to round. Yeah. Well, I mean... 13 the, is closer to 10 than it is to... Uh, Seventeen. To, I don't. <laughs> well, to 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 twenty. Right. It, it, it's it's closer to ten than to, than twenty. So we'll go there. <laughs> uh, how about we'll just say fifteen percent? Damn it. But but the but what's interesting about that though is that you know you just you look at the market and we're actually below average for the overall escalation, which I think we've done a really good job over the course. That's what your lawyers of, get to say. Well, according, you know, standard of care and me, you know, like, oh, well, like, you know, look at everyone else. <laughs> honestly, we've actually brought that up in these conversations too, because um, every single project, every single project. Now I I'll say that there are several architects that have buildings around us. Do you think that they are on budget? No. It's not no. a good statistic, though. I think the number is like 70% of building projects are over budget. So that's a huge number. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> that's absolute. a huge number. And I think it's because there's a lot, there are a lot of unknowns in these, in these projects, for sure. No doubt about it. Uh, yeah. And there is scope creep, for sure, all the mm -hmm. time. Oftentimes, that's driven by the owner, the, the client themselves. Oh, yeah. Always yeah. the architecture side. And... And so the reconciling is, is a really tough thing because everybody wants it to be the cheapest it can be. And mm -hmm. at the same time, that's not always the right answer. 
Right. And you're designing a building for how long in the future is that building going to be around for? And you're trying to get the most value for your dollar at the same time, but people are very, very much interested in the first cost, not the operational costs over the long haul. Right, right. They might not even be there after the next five years because they're in some administrative position and they're career hopping anyway. So they're trying to look yeah. good now by saving everybody the money and they get that letter of recommendation and then they're out and yeah. going to work look somewhere what, else. That It's like, look what I've done. I brought this yep. project in under budget and under time. It becomes and a, a bullet point on your, link, on your LinkedIn profile like a... You know, here here's a challenge that I had. Here's how I overcame it. And yep, that really yeah. happened. But also you were the a-hole in, in the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the world where I'm living in right now is either in an area where we're redoing something that's already built or squabbling over the cost of something that has yet to be built. Yeah, nobody wants to give up. Like usually with these multi-headed clients uh, where you've got, you know, if it's a, we've both worked on school projects before, there's there's a, like an administration and then there's a user group and then there's these other faculty groups and there's then there's like the students and there's all these, and, and it's like, well, we have to get rid of some space on this project and nobody wants to give up any nobody. space because yes. how often does a building get built on a campus? Not that, for that specific piece of program like for these new labs right we've never had new labs we're, we're going to get new labs but you don't get a new lab who wants to be on the receiving end of that nobody so nobody's willing to right. give up their space and so now it's like well now we just have to look at the whole thing and say what can we let's what if we took out all the ceilings what if we swapped out oh, the floor goodness, material yes. for that what if and 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 then like okay now let's switch the conversation over to uh, judging architecture after after it's done and nobody saw that process happen, and they just right. say, "Man, this building sucks because of this, this, and this." I can't believe oh, yeah. those architects did it like that. And so, so funny enough that you say that. So, I've I've changed the way that I look at other buildings now. So I I, I look at things still pretty critically. You know, I mean, we all we all do, but. I used to always say, man, that sucks. Or why, why would they have done that? And now through the now course of those circumstances, <laughs> several, de several decades of those circumstances has put yeah. me in a position. It's just like, I bet they wanted to do this, but somebody vetoed them or they value engineered something or they did this or yes. they did that. Yes. And because I'll be walking around and I'm sure you do as well, but I'll be walking around with people. And they'll look at me, you know, oh, you're an architect. Hey, why would, why would they have done this? And you almost say they probably did something differently, but because of all of those forces that you were talking about, something, something had to go. And every time we do these value engineering exercises for this cost reconciliation and not real value, we're not, you know, not bringing in that real value. We're just bringing in this kind of like, you know, okay, how do we make it cheaper? Do we spend time looking at structural systems? Do we spend time looking at mechanical systems? No, we always look at the low hanging fruit of the architecture, of the fenestration and things like that. It's like, oh, you've got too many windows. Why don't we cut all those windows out? 
and, or, Hey, those are some really fancy doors. Maybe we get some cheaper doors instead of the fancy doors or, you know, and it's always this, or, and so when you like, you're like, Oh, Hmm, that could have been, you know, you look at something, you're like, Oh, that could have been so much better. You know, it was at one point in time, it was, and then the budget came in or the bids came in and they're like, yeah, we still want to build this. We don't want to lop anything off. So, cause I remember going through this exercise K through 12. I was doing a high school and this was at a turbulent time in the construction industry. And they had asked us, you know, okay, we've got to cut. <laughs> it was a $45 million renovation. And it's a huge school renovation, complete facade redo, a systemic upgrades to all of the mechanical systems. There were, you know, new finishes throughout the building. Well, they come back and they say, we've got to cut $24 million. Go. What are they so cutting? Is that, is that off the original budget or is that the overage? No, no, no. That wasn't the overage. That was off the original budget. Oh, they, yeah. But we still want all of it. They still want all of it. They still yeah. want it, it the way that they'd approved it, yeah. but now they want it for half price. Right. This, this isn't a bizarre, this isn't a market where you can haggle with them. It's like, okay, so, you know, you see those, you know, Conier windows, uh, can you, you said that they cost a hundred thousand dollars a square foot. Can you get them for $50 a square foot? Like, I, you, you know, that's not the way it works, right? That's not how it works. Yeah. But, but that's the way people think is like, oh, come on. You can get that Kohler faucet for half that price, right? Can't you haggle them down? To the... Yes, that's how it works in this world. People do think that. Yeah. yeah. There, there was a, a job where it wasn't anything that I was on myself, but it was a, another team in the office and, and it was for this uh, natatorium project. And they had this job walk and all the architects went out and, you know, nodding and looking around and yes, <laughs> it looks like, looks like we're going to put a natatorium here. And then, you know, went after the project, went after the RFP, competed against other firms, won the project. And then it was like, okay, here's the, here's the program, here's the budget. And there was a serious error in the budget by mm. the, it was like an outside feasibility study firm had done this, you know, they, they had put the program together. They, they, they're the ones who created all those documents that everybody had to go by. And then they, we, we, someone on, in our office realized like there was a huge, huge error in it. And it was the same thing. They took it to the client and they said, yeah, but you said we could still have this whole building. And it's like, yeah. but, but the people, the consultants that you hired made a big error and the, there's no way to do it for that price. There's absolutely right. no, but you, had, we had already been hired to do it. We had won beat everybody else and now it was like that reconciliation process is just torment to go through or or you have good example is current current existence uh where you have a set program and so you have a set program with a set budget and of course scope creep and we're not talking about like a scope creep. we're, we're talking about like 20 percent yet that 20 that 20% increase in the scope still needs to be carried under that old budget. 
without any like reassessment of the budget because, oh, we wanted this, we want this, we want this, we want this. Okay. We gave you all of this stuff. Hey, now why is it coming in under over budget? Uh, maybe because you asked for 20% more buildings. <laughs> yeah. No, the clients never want to look in the mirror when no. it, at that. No. They, they don't, they want no. to look for, they want to blame it on somebody else. And then they're like, okay, well, so, so how do we get it back to, we go back to this cost reconciliation. It's like, how, how do we get it back to that? Oh, we cut 20% of the building offs. Oh, well, we can't do that. Well, then, you know, yeah. Guess what you got to do. Great subject. That's great. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know if <laughs> this is what I actually intended to talk about. I, but <laughs> these yeah. are the realities of working in the profession on they are real the re projects, getting real things built. These yeah. are the challenges that you. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm going to tell you, I'm, I'm nervous about it going out to bid and seeing what the numbers come back as. Because yeah, you don't we've want to done, see those numbers. You know what they're gonna be. I oh mean, yeah. And yeah. We've already done our own independent we've done our own internal BOQ, bill of quantities. And the we've had other people on the client side do a BOQ as well. And we've matched things up and somewhat close in the numbers, and the numbers still aren't looking favorable towards the overall budget. But if you look at it versus what it's going to probably be in an ever-changing, ever-escalating market. Even then, right. there's going to be contingencies. Like, they're not exactly. going to guarantee the price because get, the prices right. are all over the place. Right. Exactly. Jeez. Exactly. Jeez. And uh, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to it see. It is amazing that anything gets built ever. <laughs> Going back to that <laughs> comment, it's just like it really... The, the tweet, yeah. the tweet that I saw earlier's comment was, is that it's really amazing that anything gets built because of all of the other factors that no one ever really thinks about. If you, if we just think about just the architecture, just the way it looks and how it goes together and all of these other things, that's just like, um, that's a small part of the overall <laughs> influence the of easy anything. Part. Exactly. <laughs> Honestly, that is, I mean. Like designing and detailing out the building really is the easy part. Designing and detailing out a building that meets all of these different criteria, whether it's LEED or Monster Dam or all of these other like sustainability practices that we're, we have to go after and whether or not it fits the budget, whether or not it fits, you know, this, that, or the other kind of constraints. And we, it was thinking about the, the other project that I was telling you about. And there was five different committees that had a say in its design, its operation, its program and all of that other stuff, five different committees. And it's just like, how in, do they ever, it's, it's that it was that, uh, do you ever get anybody in the same room together to say, Hey, I want this. Oh yeah. Well, but I want this. Okay who wants it more or who wants this one because they're opposing and all this all other right. stuff. It, and then the question was always asked, it's like, okay, we literally have, and I, and I asked this, I was like, we have five different people that we have to answer to. We have had five different directions. They are all contradictory to each other. Which one sure. do we listen to? Which one, right. which one takes precedence? And then when you get the answer, all of them do. Right. <laughs> where, where do you go? I'm the decider. 
Yeah. Yeah. We're all the decider. Yeah. It's just like, <laughs> where do well, you, you can't, you can't ignore their comments. Okay. Well, you can't ignore their comments, but their comments are completely uh, diametrically opposed to these comments. And so if we did this, that this person wants, then this person can't get what they want because it literally is occupied in the same space and it's completely different within that space. Yeah. I, we, we had an argument over, well, not argument, but, you know, we had a debate, discussion, design direction from five different people over the lobby. And five different people wanted a very, very different type of lobby. One was a very active space that potentially had cafes and all of this other stuff in there. Other people wanted something more passive that was strictly for the user group of that. No public entrance or anything like that. There was all these different things. And this, where this building addition and renovation was a key new entrance on a side of this overall campus that I guess I can say what it is. It was, it was a, a medical research lab building for Hopkins hospital that Hopkins university or school of medicine was going to be, is going to be using, not will be, hmm. is going to be using. And that side of the hospital has never had a public entrance. And this is, this is the new public entrance for that side, but it's not a public entrance that, so every hospital had their idea. The school of medicine had their idea. The board of trustees for the hospital had their idea, but the board of trustees for the university had their idea. And then the major donor had their idea. And so it, wow. and none of, none of those ideas matched. None of those ideas were even them all in the same room at the same time. And no, nope, nope. that's go. not, that is not how it worked. Shame that you would even suggest something that logical. Yeah, how dare I suggest something that might actually get someone to the bottom? Like no, long, I, no matter how long it takes, like we don't leave this meeting until we have these these issues settled. But it's so political; it, it gets so politicized about through the process. Well, these people don't like those you, people, and these ones are equals. And so, if they have diametrically opposed ideas, how do we? We can't settle it. And right. so, you have you just ha you're the you're the architect. You have to figure it out. Right. You just said something that when I was in the office last week, somebody was saying something and I said, well, that's architecture. It's politics. And it really is. I mean, there is, there is more politics than people would really want right. to admit to in architecture. Yeah. And well, corporate corporations, there are politics involved or, you know, and by corporations, I mean, any kind of entity that is, it could be a university, it could be a hospital, whatever. Like there's, there are politics involved. And so we, and then we have our own office politics. Oh right? yeah, yeah. And, and, but, but when you're the architect, you, and, and when it's a single family residence for a family, there's politics there too. And a lot of times it, it turns into counseling, right? From the architect to work out these issues and try to make decisions because our goal is to make decisions and get those documented so that the thing can get built. And if people can't actually decide something, yeah. it just gets, uh, it just becomes this unending loop and it's of frustration. So speaking of politics, I can't say too much just because it's not a, I am probably going to probably say more than I'm, 
D two and well, you, I'm get you can black edit bagged. The show and yeah, and, and I'll um, get black bagged and something. But there, we had a project, um, or we have a project that we are working with a client on. That I guess I could at least say this much is like had had a representative of our company accompany them to Capitol Hill. I was that representative. I have no idea why anybody would have thought, hey, let's have the sarcastic one go head to the hill. <laughs> but sure enough, it has to I, do with experience. Yeah. <laughs> it it's it's a I really hope that I can as things develop in the future, I can talk a little bit more about it. it is a it is an amazing project and to be able to sit in a chairman of a committee of the House of Representatives, the U.S. House of Representatives, and pitch them the idea, be there as support for the client to basically back up, be their backstop if there's any questions that are asked that are specific around the planning and the design of this particular type of project that is really intended to be a project for a lot of different uses and be development for all sorts of things. And I, I'm being cagey for a reason because I don't want to hear any helicopters and have be, be drug off into this thing. But, but, um, what's really interesting about it is just this, it was this really interesting opportunity. And so we, I, I gotta at least tell you this part. So we had like 30 minutes with the, uh, with the committee chair. And so we get like right on the second of, you know, we were, we were, we were supposed to go in at one thirty. right on the second, we were called in and we went in, did our shaking of the hands and everything, introducing ourselves. We all kind of like sat down, we had couch and a couple of chairs and we just like sat around the, the coffee table and just sat there and chatted with them and it gave them the, the lowdown of exactly who we are, why we're sitting in front of him and what the project is and, and what the vision of, of this project is. So, but as we're going in, we hear bells going off. They had moved up a vote on the house floor. And so all of the chairman and like all of his staffers were sitting around and they were like looking at their watches and their clocks. And where I was sitting, I was looking behind his shoulder and behind his shoulder was a flat screen TV, which had, which had C-SPAN on it. And they were showing the, the, the live vote going yeah, on live feed. Right. And it had a counter on it of saying how long you had to be like, how long the vote would be open. And so of course we didn't get our 30 minutes. We got 13. We basically had to take an entire 30 minute presentation and question and answer and compress it down to 10 minutes because we were in there for an official 13, you know, minutes, but good port, at least a, a minute, minute and a half was, you know, shaking hands and, you know, introducing ourselves. The last uh, minute and a half was us shaking hands and thanking him for his time. And so we had 10 minutes, which I will, I will say I was thoroughly impressed at how with it, how like he was very focused, very attentive, listening to it, engaged, 
knew exactly like a lot of the different legislation that would, you know, have to be a part of this project moving forward, asked some amazing questions. We got to engage a little bit with kind of it, but again, everything was like very compressed, but it was, it was really interesting to like say that we, we were in there, we were going in for 30, we only got 10, but that 10 was so, it was the most condensed, but most concise and very thorough 10 minutes in my architectural career because the whole government works, Cormac, it works that well. It. I will say that <laughs> the the interesting thing about it was is we went in for a specific ask. We ultimately summarized everything with that ask, and a decision was made to at least move forward with you know like developing legislation and things like that, which was was really really interesting to see how quickly. And no, clearly we know that it doesn't work that fast and it doesn't work that concise. It's a well oiled machine. But it was, it was just really interesting to just kind of like see it. And so, you know, here we, here we are. And then the guy bolts out and he's literally got six minutes to get. So we're in whatever, whichever, like the Cannon House, uh, office building, which is across the street from the U S Capitol building. And he had to get from the Cannon office building to the floor of the Capitol building to do his vote. He had six minutes. Now, granted, like passing period. Yeah. Well, the, well, the, inter- the good thing is, is that he, he took the elevator down to the tunnels and took the tunnel straight across and the tunnel leads you basically straight to the house floor. And so he made it in time. He had six he had minutes time to stop at his locker. He had time to use the bathroom. He, he was, had to get from English to math on the other side of the street. Exactly. You know, he, he exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, and make sure that, you know, he brought his trapper keeper with him. Right, right, right. So, so this is makes it come bring something interesting. This is something that I just came across today. There was an essay that that somebody I follow on Twitter published, and I haven't read it yet. But one of the things that I was reading through the thread that that was posted. This was on Twitter, not Threads. So, um, <laughs> the so you mean tweet? I was somebody. Somebody wrote. You know, somebody wrote a thread, and and right. it was interesting to see how. One of the people summarized the essay with chat GPT into bullet points, right? So it was like the Cliff's Notes version. And it was very easy to read, easy to understand. And they just said, this is just straight out of chat GPT. I didn't go through and edit any of this. But but it was a very long essay that took a very long time to write. It took, he said it took seven months for him to write this essay. Obviously not working on it full time or anything, but it was right, just a, a, a long it was and it was about like how to structure your life and 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 what to pursue and so it's kind of these big overarching ideas and chat gpt did a pretty good job of summarizing it and so then he came back and he said wow this is really interesting because i haven't really thought of this before and your project ties into this which is compression the idea of compression mm-hmm. I, I wonder how well my ideas compress and meaning uh so so how long is the original? How long is the, the summary? How do the ideas come across? Well, how much repetition and because this is all about architectural drawings, right? We don't, right. we don't ever just say, say it once in the right place. We, we kind of say stuff all over the place and we do right. all these extra right. things and we have these extra views and these extra vignettes and these extra renderings and these extra drawings. And 
all this stuff. And, and so you think about compression. And so you had this presentation figured out and then you were forced to squeeze it down and say the important stuff. Take. And I just, I, I wonder if we should, well, I kind of think the answer is yes, we should be looking at our stuff like this more often. Like, well, what, we should. what is the, what is the minimum viable product? What is the minimum viable presentation? And, and using tools like this, because we go through such painstaking uh, process to create these presentations, mm -hmm. to prepare for the presentation, to give the presentation, who's going to say what, when, what goes with this slide, what's on the slide, what, what does that lead us to, what are the possible questions they could ask when, when we're done with this during mm -hmm. the Q&A, and we kind of you know, role play all that stuff out. Right, right. I wonder if tools like this can actually help us do that and if people are using it to do that, like I saw happen in this in this it, tweet thread. Well, it, it would be really interesting because the long version of the presentation, I had 24 slides. I had 24 slides. The short version, I had one slide. And I didn't even get, I didn't even... <laughs> I didn't even get to talk about that slide. Now that slide was also the cover. It was more detailed and I had, you should have seen like all of the notes that I had on my one slide. So like, you know, when, I, when we got to it, I had like all of these like little bullet points and like all of this, like little, it, it looked like a, everything. it looked like this weird little string theory diagram of like all sorts <laughs> of things in all sorts of different directions. And it only theory or serial killer. Yeah. It, <laughs> Speaking of architects who are serial killers. Uh, wow. Yeah. This week. Exactly. <laughs> you know, it, the, the, uh, I'm not even going to get into that one, but, um, right. Yeah, yeah. Fine. But no, it's just, what's interesting about that in, in a very kind of not so funny, haha -ha way is how, so many architects are like, yeah, I, I could see that, you know, just like, oh my Lord, are we that <laughs> bad? Are we that bitter of people? It turns out, it turns out. You're like, yeah, but now I, I don't even know where I was going with this, the, st the string theory of things. Well, you said you well, had one slide and you had oh, all this stuff on it. But, but your, to your point is just like, I, when I, when we realized that we were going to really just have to be compressed about this. And we had already made the, the decision before we went in there, when we still thought we had the 30 minutes that it was really only going to be like one slide for me, one slide for someone else and one slide for someone else. And then there was like a few slides. And then there was kind of like a preamble of like who we are, what we, what, why are we there kind of thing. And, and then the rest was opening it up for questions and of a grilling about what was next, what was to come next. And so. But it was interesting. It's interesting you say that because everybody's just like, oh, well, you just had one slide. I mean, you know, how long did that have that take? Well, I'll tell you how long that one slide took me. Three weeks. That's how long that one slide, everything that I did that was on the 24 slides, which were just basically kind of an expansion of the, that one slide, all of that stuff was still put on that one slide. Every, every bit of my multiple meetings per week with the client going over and talking about things and all of the different developments of all of the different types of, of things that we were putting on here. And I'm trying to like, make sure I'm not saying anything specific, but everything about what I was doing 
you know, there was a lot of work. There was a lot of work from a lot of people that went into this, these slides that then got condensed to one slide that then basically got condensed to just a few words. When we go in there in that, it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in episode 300, when we were with, with the guys and we were talking about, you know, kind of like the value of architecture. I mean, we always go in there with so much stuff to, to prove to them that we've been doing something. Right. <laughs> right. You know, right. rather, rather than effect, exactly. Right. You know, we always say, oh, well, somebody actually had criticized why do architects do this? Why do they go in with like three, four or five different concepts and they go and they pitch all of these things, but they're really only going in there to pitch one concept, but they're showing all of these other ones. It's like, well, we tried this and then we tried this and we tried this, but what, you know, like what all of this taught us was that we really felt like this was the right one. And so here, let us talk about this one. And they were like, why do we, why do architects do that? Why did they spend so much time showing everybody? And it's because nobody sees the process that it took us to get to that one was so much more than just that one. It was so, there was so many different iterations. The joke that I made of like all the different babies of all the different ideas on the floor, it, we always have to kind of, we somehow, some way have got it built into our system that we have to prove to them that when they say, well, did you think about this? Yes, we did. See, I already showed you this. Or yes, we did. I showed you this, you know, kind of thing. It's like, yeah, right. We, and, and I've always questioned that too. It's just like, why don't we go in there with what we can carry a big old pile of other things that we have done that we may not ever show them unless they say, well, we have you thought about that? It's like, oh yeah, well, we kind of looked at it this and here's this one that we had talked about. But as you can kind of see here, this led us to this, then led us to this, then led us to the, what we're showing you. And they're like, oh, okay. But we're always having to say, it's like, look at us. We've been working kind of thing. And it's just like, why, 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 why do we do that? So it goes back I'm to sure you. A, yeah. I'm sure well, there's a good do. story out there from from some old architect who walks in with a b giant pile of trace, yeah, but only shows one drawing, yeah, right. It's like this is what we've been through. We're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this. This is the one thing. Well, yeah, and, and that's the thing is that goes back to your trying to make things a little bit more concise, a little bit like how do we distill it down to the idea and present the idea instead of presenting the idea, but then all of the trail that led to the idea. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, and on the way, we saw this bird in the tree and it was tweeting at me and I tweeted back at it. It was just like, nobody needs like, it's like if you've ever been down South and they give you directions and they're like, oh, you go down the road and it's about two miles down, you're going to see this house. And you're like, okay, well, you know, what do I do at this house? Oh, no, no, don't worry. Just keep on going past this house. Like, why are you telling me about the house? I don't need to know about the house. I need to know where do I need to turn? Is it three miles down the road? Oh, no, 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 no. You. Well, three miles down the road, you know, you'll see this general store. You'll see this truck parked out there. And you know, you go over some train tracks and then you'll do this and you do that. And you do this. And, and, then, and then you'll see this kind of like fork in the road and you go to the left. Like, why didn't you just say, drive down the road until you see the fork in the road and then go left. Boom. You were I'm done. Pretty, that I'm was it. Sure, Cormac, 
I'm pretty sure that you just described how an architectural drawing set works. That's exactly, that was, that, that's the point is that's how architects, that's how architects go into their presentation, go into their documents that they prepare for, uh, construction. All of this stuff is literally the Southern directions for how to find Evan's house. How to get to the house. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Start at the floor plan, go to the section, go oh to the gosh, wall yeah. section, go go to the call out, go to the detail, go to the specification. Yeah. And it's like, oh, here it is. Here's that information. It only took me 18 steps to get here. Mm-hmm. Great. So yeah. you bring up a good point because we were actually going through an effort to kind of like reorganize some documents. And they're just like, oh, well, we're used to seeing it this way. You're used to seeing it that way. And and, you know, you look at it and you're like, well, that's a really convoluted way to get to like the information that you're trying to present. And so that's, that's kind of like whatever. But so when I was, when, when I was kind of solo, not kind of solo, when I was solo and I was doing documents on my own, I set up my documents by absolutely no standard known to humankind. <laughs> I set them up to a standard of what I felt like was a logic way to get from point A to point B as quickly and concisely as possible by providing documents that led you to the solution as quick as possible. And I, I, I want an example. <laughs> I would love to show these. I would love to, sh- well, it was, it was the EO Wilson Biophilia Center. I had a set of documents from Sam Mockby and the, this set of documents was so beautifully drawn, but it was so simple to literally get from point A to point B. And I patterned, I patterned a lot of it after that. In fact, it was kind of the inspiration for the design of the, the project. It was somewhat of an homage. It was, he had just recently passed and I'm not going to get into it, but you know, I mean, it was, it was just something that as I was working through it and coming to a design solution. I was doing a lot of like, you know, looking back at a lot of his projects and kind of like the regionalism that he was working on. And so I came to a solution that, that was somewhat of an homage to him, but I realized that my documents were as well, because it was such a simple process to illustrate the, you know, the overall project in as few of sheets as possible that still gave you all of the information that you needed for full documentation in a logical order of getting you from point A to point B without all of these like trip ups of like, and look for the, the dog on the porch. And well, what do I do with the dog on the porch? You know, oh man. And because I don't, I, I remember looking at a set of prints that I had made for this firm that I was working for in Montgomery, Alabama, and this was this one of the largest churches in downtown Montgomery. And I looked at the set and the set was eight drawings long. And it was this big building, multiple buildings on the thing. And it was eight sheets. That was it. And I look at it and I looked at how they arranged it, how they did their sections and how they did their head sill and jam details and all of these different details. And you look at them and the way that they stacked it, it was like, origami that, you know, it's just like, you just unfolded and it's like, oh, well, when you fold it back in, boom, building, when you unfold it, here is like the process to get from point A to point B. Cause then boom, now you have your building. 
It's like, why, why is I'm looking at the set of documents that I just compiled from the, the submission. Right. Go ahead and guess how many. I think you've told me before it was like, it wasn't it over a thousand sheets. Well, just the architecture. That was, the, that was yeah, that was all. So, of them. Well, that was, that was all. So just the architectural set, 511 sheets. 511 sheets. And it's like eight buildings? It's eight buildings. Yeah. And yes, I mean, you're like, oh, well, you know, eight buildings over 500 sheets, you know, that's not really that bad. And it's like, well, there are a lot of like duplicate details and things like that. And, but there's just like this intricacies well, yeah. of like how things go to. You... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You oh, need the, de- even if they are the same details, no, they're not working on, people aren't working on the same building at the same time. Oh my they're gosh. In one place yes. at one time. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but when you, when you put the whole thing together, it's actually, it's, it's, you know, thousands of sheets, like, or right. Right. 1500 With or some disciplines and everything. Yeah. And it's, it's, it is insane. And then you, you think about it, it's like, how did we get away with doing buildings with eight sheets? Yeah. Right. It's because well, the architect this, was mean, out on the site. It, well, there was that. It goes back to that idea of compression. And I mean, it even reminds me of exactly. some of the first case case studies projects that I ever did with uh, Craig Elwood House. And it was like, it's actually the the final design is all of the things that have been removed from the project. It's not, <laughs> and, and doing something simple is incredibly difficult because it, we always barf a bunch of stuff out onto the page mm-hmm. in the beginning. There's a lot of ideas. Things are not going to last forever. They, they, they say this, you throw the spaghetti on the wall and you see what sticks, right? Like this is that, this is the process, but, but the process of removal and refinement and getting, getting down to the least amount of whatever it is to make the building, to make the documents is oh, it's I, incredibly hard. It's, it's hard. It's difficult oh, yeah, yeah, to yeah. edit it down to that point. So I, I get why it which, doesn't happen, but. I, I truly was the project editor. I mean, it was just like, okay, we cut everything. Like we cut every section, every elevation, every this, every that. Everything was represented. And then you go back and you're like, okay, what do we need? What do we really what need? Do we need? And then we like well, taper yeah, it back. Well, because sections are free now and elevations are free now. And like, and yeah. so renderings are free now. And so right. there's so many additional things that are, you right. can put in there, but what, what can you actually not put in there? And that to me is is a, a question worth asking because this idea of if, if I could write a 70 page book or I could give you a seven page book that gets exactly the same point across, which one would you pick? You would pick the seven page one all day long because you've right, got a right. lot of stuff to do. And so it's, it, to me, it's, it, I, I'm actually interested if these tools can help us do that because we can't do that. We, we absolutely suck at it. 